0: Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless. Get ready. Lean in and watch what the Lord is about to do. Tonight, we are going to be talking about producing. Okay, producing. Look to your neighbor and say, what are you producing? And look to the other neighbor that you didn't talk to and say, are you producing the right thing? Okay, so this is what we're gonna talk about tonight. I want to, uh, last month we actually were in Psalm 1 and this is really our theme or scripture for this series. Um, and I'm gonna jump back into that. Psalms 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, okay? nor stand in path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, I'm going to pause right there. We talked about this last month, okay? And so if you want to be blessed, it's important to, you need to watch who you're around, okay, who you're listening to. But our our delight needs to be in the Lord and in his word day and night. Amen? Amen? All right, we continue on. It says, he will be like a tree firmly Planted by streams or bayous of water, okay, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Who wants to prosper? Come on. Who, who wants to prosper? I won't be talking too much about that. But um, listen, when we delight in the Lord, when we meditate on his word every day, we should be producing fruit. Okay, the scripture right here says you're going to yield fruit in your season. And I think back on my life, you know, because sometimes we think, oh, that means like I need to be preaching, you know, in in front of thousands of people, or, you know, I need to be serving on the worship team, or I need to be evangelizing on the streets, or, you, you know, we get this visual that we need to be doing all these things, and that's what fruit is. But can I tell you this? I remember when I got saved on September 25th, 1993, and within one week, my dad noticed a difference. One week. And y'all, I was messed up. And I think, honestly, the Lord kind of did a quick, like, ooh, let me clean her up a little bit fast to spare my husband from the heartache, okay? (laughs) But within one week... My dad, now I had only been in the word a little bit, like I think I only had a Bible for two days, but the Holy Spirit, because what does the word says in Hebrews, it says the new covenant, the new covenant, when we accept Christ the Lord, writes his law upon our hearts, okay, and he places it in our mind, and so the Holy Spirit written something on my heart to where immediately, within a week, my dad saw a difference, so much to the point, he said, I don't know what's going on, but I like it, okay? So, so that is fruit. And so we should be producing fruit, some kind of fruit, as soon as we accept Christ. And the more we delight in him, the more we're in his word, the more others should see around us. In Jeremiah 17, 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, or that also means kidneys, so that's that filtration system, remember? I test the mind to give to each person according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. So right here, God is saying, hey, I'm looking at your heart. I'm checking your heart out, what's going on there? I'm checking out what's going up here, okay, but I'm also checking out what you're doing, I am, I am looking at what you're producing and determining by what's going on here, what's going on there, and what you're producing will determine what blessing you get. Okay, and we see this. It goes along with what does Jesus say the greatest commandment is? Okay, Mark 12:30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That word strength means your ability, your talent, your resources, the things you can do. Okay, so right here, God's saying, I don't want you to just love me with your mind. I don't want you to just love me with your soul or your heart, but I want you to love me with these and what you can do for me. Okay, that's the totality of what Jesus was saying the greatest commandment is, okay? So uh, we're going to look at two things. We're talking about two things to start with that God wants us to do, okay? God wants me, one, to produce for me, okay? He wants you to produce fruit for you, Okay, don't, lo- don't, don't let me lose you here. Okay, we see in Galatians 5, you're kind of like, well, what kind of fruit? Okay, right here, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you say, I am loving, I am joyful, I am peaceful? Are you lying yet? I am patient. Okay, even when my husband's snoring at 2.30 in the morning, I have to wake up at 5. I am patient. Are you lying yet? Okay, these are some of the fruit. Right here, this, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so big picture, we don't just love him in physical action by volunteering at church or by, you know, going on the mission field and doing these things, the Lord's like, hey, this is some fruit I wanna see in your life every day, okay? And are we going to be perfect? No, I mean, the blood of Jesus, thankfully, covers our flaws and our failures. But this is something that we should be focusing on to strive towards. But let me tell you, there is blessing in obedience. And so this is why God wants us to produce, God wants you to produce fruit for you because there's blessing in it. We see in Galatians 6 verse 8 and 9, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. So the Lord's saying right here, hey, if you sow these things in your life, if these are the actions that's coming out of you, if this is what is flowing out of you, you are going to reap eternal great things. Okay, great eternal things. In verse 9, let's not become discouraged in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. Sometimes we're going to produce this fruit, those good things, and you feel like you're not getting anything good from it. You know, maybe, you, you know, maybe your husband is unkind. Maybe he's, inti- he's intimidating. Maybe he's oppressive. And you're sitting there saying, God, I have to be kind to him. I need to be loving to him. I need to serve him. What is up with that? You know, can I just... Uh, uh. But the Lord says, don't grow weary in doing good, because in due time, you're going to reap. If you stay obedient, you will be blessed. Amen? And so the second thing, God wants me to produce for others. He wants you to produce for others. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Okay, for what? Good works. Okay, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God created us to do good works, right there. Again, in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, okay? One, it's gonna catch on fire, so you ain't gonna do that. <laughs> okay, but why are you gonna cover it up? Okay, so, but on the lampstand, they put it on a lampstand, gives light to all who are in the house, Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Notice that you don't just light your light for your house, but your light is for your house and for the world. Or you don't just light your light for the world and then be trashy in your house. Come on. That might hit home a little more. Okay. You need to be lighting it, being a light in both in home and in the world. You know, when you're at Walmart and you're behind the woman with 60 coupons, and you have to pee. And you're like, I've got to go. Okay? Am I gonna be a light? Am I gonna be a light? Okay, but I love also what it says is your light is to shine before people in such a way that you may, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to clarify something. Sometimes we think that, you know, and it's all based out of the scripture, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing You know, or, you know, if your right hand, left and right, y'all, I cannot get it right. Okay, right hand is doing something, giving, you know, doing something, don't let your left hand know. And so sometimes we think, oh, we can't tell anybody and we can't talk about a good work that we're doing or whatever. No, listen, right here, God wants our good works to be seen by others so he can get the glory. Okay, so let's not judge people when they do good and they post it on Instagram? Okay, because what can happen is someone can see, man, look at them doing that, and that could draw them. I wonder why they're doing that. What it, it, uh, it's all determined in the heart. Just because I talk about something doesn't mean that I'm trying to take the credit. Okay, so it's in the heart, and so we just think, we're not gonna judge the intentions of people's hearts because scripture says sometimes, most of the time, we don't even know what's going on in our own, okay? But what happens is when you're doing good things just for the love of God, just for the love of people, it's going to reach people. I remember we had this an event, and it was in a time of need. <laughs> We've had a lot of times in need, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, we were passing out food, and um, this person comes, and needed food. They were really in a a rough way. They were in addiction. And so, uh, I was able to give food to this person and love on her and just, you know, encourage her. And do you know that that person, because of that kind act, is now serving the Lord today? No credit to me. I didn't bring the food. I was just passing it out, you know. But when I passed it out, I loved her where she was. I loved her right where she was, even though she was high, she was coming off of something, you know, and had the shakes, and I just loved on her, encouraged her, and, and she decided there's something there. I might want what she has, and she is now serving the Lord and free today. So you never know. This is why we produce for others. Can I get an amen? I love this quote from Carrie Newoff. It says, we want to be able to do whatever we want, but we must understand that Christianity isn't just about victory. It's about obedience. This is where our self-fulfillment gets challenged. It's not about me. It's not about me. You know, I think about my dad, perfect picture. He grows a garden. He's got a green thumb. For a year, all his life, he's had this huge garden. And now he's feeding two people and he still makes the same amount of vegetables. Like huge garden. And my mom's like, what in the world? But my dad's heart, this is his heart. When he goes to reap the harvest and get in all the vegetables, he, you know, doesn't just take and, and hoard everything that he grows. But all the widows he knows, he starts delivering vegetables with a visit. Then the elderly couples that can't grow the gardens anymore, he's going to deliver vegetables to all of them with a visit and with love. This is why we produce for others. We're producing for those that aren't yet producing yet. So that they can see that, man, God really does love me. He sees me where I am. And so to do this, we've got to rebuke consumer mentality. The whole mentality of that, it's about me and when am I going to get a touch from the Lord? Or I want to do this because it makes me feel good. Or I don't want to do that because I'm not going to get anything out of it. We can't do that. Do you realize that for the first time in history, the church is used as a tool of personal fulfillment. We've got to get away from this. Rather than saying, hey, I'm a part of a church for the good of society or for the good of others, people select churches based on their own personal fulfillment. Oh, I don't like how they lead worship over there. That's not my style. Oh, I don't like that pastor. He teaches too much. I want a preacher or maybe they don't do enough altar calls, or they don't linger in worship too long. When, it's, when we should just say, God, where do you want me? Yeah. I've never said, I want to go to this church. Well, hello, I mean, y'all married to a pastor, so I kind of, you know, <laughs> you did know, think that was funny? But I've never said, I want to go to this church, so God, this is the church I'm going to. I say, God, where do you have me? Where do you want me? That's where we need to be. See, idols of the, the day, back in the day, used to be money and power. Now our idols are comfort and family. What's convenient for us? What's convenient? Yo, I know people that come to this church that drive over an hour because God has called them here. That's beautiful. We've got to make sure that we're not falling into that. Amen, because that is the enemy to our soul, all of those idols. And so what I'm saying, you might think like, man, you kind of, that's kind of asking a lot to, you know, think about. Let me tell you what a lot is. Yo, we live in America. We are blessed. Charity, you, where are you at, charity? Traveled everywhere. I mean, all over the Philippines doing ministry to orphans and in the dump yard. I mean, we are blessed. Can you give me an Amen. Amen. We are blessed. If you think, man, you know, I should have stepped on my toes, What should you know, think about the prophet Ezekiel in chapter four. If you hadn't read it lately, that means you're not reading the ancient path devotional. A great tool. Okay. But a few months we read this and y'all, I mean, I've read Ezekiel before, but this was like, you know, this is why it's the living word. And so sometimes God's just going to bam, something's going to fly out on the page. But God actually used Ezekiel. He said, hey, I'm going to use you as an object lesson to Israel and Judah. And what I want you to do is, for every year of iniquity that Israel was in, it was 390 years, I want you to lay on your left side that many days. So he said, Ezekiel, I want you to lay on your left side for 390 days. Y'all think about that. No therapeutic mattresses no water pillows then if that's not enough you're gonna turn over after 390 days and you're gonna lay on your right side for the iniquity the years of Judah and if that's not enough how many of y'all flip during the night come on raise your hand do we have anyone that stays in the same position anybody anybody If you say yes, I want you to video it tonight and I want to see that. Okay, so 390 plus 40. Okay, that is 430. Y'all did that math in my head. If I'm wrong, y'all can laugh at me later. Not only that, but he said, I'm going to tie you up. Like you're going to be tied. Then if that's not enough, God said, you're only going to eat... This bread, which is called Ezekiel bread, who's ever had it? It's named after Ezekiel four. I just figured that, like I just, yeah, anyway. I'm like, wait, those are the ingredients for Ezekiel bread. Oh, Ezekiel, telling on myself, okay, he ate Ezekiel bread. No butter, no jelly, no honey. I like, y'all, that stuff's nasty. I'm sorry if you love it, but I mean, that's not bread. You're lying to yourself if you think it's bread. Although God did call it bread. Okay, anyway, then, then, if that's not enough, he said, I want you to cook it over a fire with human feces. That's like saying, honey, can you go ahead and poop on this for me so I can bake my bread? The smell. But Ezekiel did appeal and he said, hey, God, I've never like, you know, contaminated myself with anything unclean. So God said, okay, you can use cow poop. That's fine. Y'all, if we think, Americans think God is asking us to do something too hard, we we need to wake up. We, We need a revelation or we need to get saved, okay, because we're just not asked that much. And before we break into table discussion again, I want to read this, Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. You were formerly darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So we need to stand on the truth. We need to speak the truth. We need to act it out in righteousness, but we also need to display it with all goodness. Think about that. If you have truth without goodness, it could be mean. Okay? But then if you just have goodness and you don't have any truth, well, that's a little sloppy. Okay? Truth and righteousness and goodness. That's what we should be displaying as children of the light. Amen? So what we're going to do right now is we're going to break out into table discussion. Okay? And so we have two questions for you. Listen, if this is your first time, Um, that's okay. Don't worry. No one's going to put a mic in your face. You share what you want to share. If you don't feel like sharing, that is fine. You do not have to share. This is a safe zone. Everybody say, this is a safe zone that means that whatever is shared at the table does not get repeated anywhere else. Okay. And so listen, we're going to take 15 minutes to do this. It's two questions. Uh, You have some facilitators at your table. We'll help you through that and we will be right back. All right, all right. Did y'all have some good discussion? Good discussions, good discussions. Okay, we did something a little different. I was actually in service um, this weekend in West Virginia. I had the opportunity to go to iHeart and um, just was just stirring in me to add to this message because I actually had written the message before I left, um... And so I find that there is one of the big things in my life that has hindered good fruit production, because you can have some bad fruit. Come on, somebody, right? You can have some nasty fruit, okay? And so one of the big things that I found in my life that has hindered good fruit production is the seed of fear, the seed of fear. Because what a seed does, like an actual literal fruit, the seed produces a hormone that produces the fruit. And so whatever that seed puts out determines the quality of the fruit. Did y'all get that? So whatever that seed puts out determines the quality of the fruit. And I know that we all want to have good fruit, right? And so the seed of fear can really be detrimental to your fruit. Because one, fear is controlling. Fear is controlling. Do you want proof? Think about it. You're in a car with a teenage driver. And all of a sudden, this fear is coming upon you. You become the backseat driver. You're like, turn here, turn there, turn there. Or I, I ride with someone, I do a lot of driving, and I have been driving and I'm with a person in the car and they're like, turn here, turn up, park there, park there. And I'm like, I have been driving for 30 years. We're going to be okay. You're not going to die. I rebuke the fear in the name of Jesus. Okay. So fear is controlling. Think about it. I've seen so many moms of teenagers because they are so afraid that their teenager will make a mistake. They tight grip, and they get into controlling, and they actually drive their kid away. Or adult kids. I've seen moms, especially moms of sons. Their son gets married. Oh, and they become the wicked mother-in-law all of a sudden. Like, they are just, "Ah." y'all, that is detrimental, okay? Fear is also obstructing. Fear can keep you from the potential that God has designed for your life. You know, I think when I was in high school, I cheered in middle school and high school, and our team actually competed nationally. Because I was the captain, I was chosen to compete individually at nationals. And so I remember the first year I go, I had my routine down. I'm like, yes, I never competed individually other you know in cheer anyway and so i get up there and i forget my entire routine three minute routine five minute i don't even remember y'all completely forget it like i don't know it my coaches are there they're going what is she doing i did like 40 toe touches 30 around the world because i'm like i can jump that's all i know like i And so anyway, it was horrible. And so I committed. I said, I will never compete individually again. So the next year when they went to nationals, I was captain my junior year. They said, hey, you know, you need to compete. I said, no, co-captain can compete. I will not do it. And I was kind of stubborn and hard headed So I said, I will not do it. I said, I will never get in front of people by myself again. I get saved my mother-in-law hears me sing, and she said, oh, my gosh, you have a gift. You have to sing. And I said, I will not. I will not. She's like, Cindy, you cannot hide your gift. You can't put your light under the bushel. you got to take it out so the people in the house can see and the people in the world can see. You've got to sing. You have a gift. And I was like, what? So then someone else said, it and I said, oh my God, like, so I start praying about it and the Lord said, I'm calling you to do this. I did not want to do it. And I remember going to my pastor saying, hey, I, I think God's calling me this thing," And she said, can you? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just my mother-in-law on a karaoke with some Christmas, video. I don't know. But God called me to do it. And I did it scared to death. Scared to death. I actually went to rehearsals for like six months just so I could say I was doing it without doing it. But I think if I wouldn't have done that, it would have obstructed me from what God wanted to do in my life. And honestly, I have eight children and eight of them, plus many of their spouses or worship leaders are involved in worship I can tell you today, my kids, I would have obstructed what God wanted to do in their life. Do y'all see that? Fear can be obstructing. Fear is paralyzing. I got arrested in Hawaii a bunch of years ago. It's probably about 18 years ago, 17 years ago. Yeah, in Hawaii of all places, you know. I had some mace, I mean, it had tear gas in it. It's illegal in four states, I know. Everyone's like, you need to maybe say why you were arrested, you know, when you say it. So online, y'all don't turn me off, okay. Anyway, so I got arrested and it was a big ordeal. So anyway, um, but what happened, it, it happened in the airport going through security, I get arrested. You know, I was a sponge, everything was clear, but years later I'm traveling and I like couldn't travel for like two years because of it, because I was flagged. So I'm finally, I'm going to Africa. We're at the border, crossing into Mozambique. It's a kind of tense border crossing. If you've never been, you, don't, you won't be able to get it. But anyway, we're crossing the border, and it was when swine flu was the epidemic. Okay, y'all remember swine flu? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Swine flu was a big thing, and there was an outbreak in America, and the Africans were scared. So they confiscated our passports. They are hollering at the missionary, and he's hollering back in Portuguese. They're taking our passports, and all of a sudden, I become paralyzed. Now, I always thought the people, you know, in the movies that fainted, I'm like, what a wimp. What a little wimp. But, y'all, my heart started racing, and I could not breathe. I was paralyzed, and I remember I just... I bent over, grabbed my knees, and I was about to hit that concrete floor. And all I could do, I was like, (sighs) that wasn't doing it. So I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And immediately I realized that trauma that I tried to stuff and stuff and stuff had become a fear in my life and it paralyzed me. Now I could have at that point told Mark, I will never go to Africa again. But oh what what I would have missed if I hadn't taken those eight trips after. Fear is paralyzing. But fear is also infectious. Fear is infectious. This is why you have got to be careful with who you give the mic to in your life. Fear is infectious. You know, in Deuteronomy 20, it lays out the laws of warfare. Laying out the laws of warfare, it says, don't be frightened. Don't be fearful. Don't panic. When the enemy comes to you and you see them and they are greater in number, don't be afraid. But I love this in verse 8. So the Lord knew fear is going to be there. It's going to be there but don't be afraid. In verse eight, he says, then the officers shall speak further to the people and say, who is the man that is afraid and faint hearted? Let him depart and return to his house so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his heart's. They knew that fear, if we keep this one person that is just gripped in fear, among all this, it is going to spread like gangrene. Fear is infectious. And let me tell you why. Because fear starts right here. Fear starts right here. It's a seed of fear that the enemy puts in your head. No, you can't do that. You tried that once before. Don't you remember? You were, you were a fool. You were embarrassed. Right here. Because what happens is what you start thinking becomes what you start feeling. And what you start feeling becomes what you start believing. And then what you're believing becomes what you're doing or not doing. We've got to be careful. That goes back to the greatest commandment. Remember, he said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Honestly, to love God with all your strength is kind of the easiest thing, I think. It's action. Oh yeah, I'll serve, I'll show up at church and do something. Or yeah, I'll buy some groceries for the Thanksgiving outreach. I don't mind doing that. Or I'll go mow someone's yard. That's okay. And even honestly with the heart and the soul, that's your emotions and your, and, and your, all of that, you know, um, it, I think it's kind of easier too, because I think at the end of, most of the time we want to love the Lord. Like we want to please him. But, boy, when you get right here, is everything that's in here pleasing to him? Think about that. When he says, love the Lord, the God with all your mind, it's your disposition, your thoughts, your belief system. You realize your belief system is set at the age of seven or eight? So whatever you are spoke, whatever people spoke over you, whatever you've come to believe by the time you're seven or eight, it's set. And if it's the wrong thing, you got some unpacking to do. <laughs> it's gonna take a little while to get that unpacked. But this is why it's so critical to love the Lord that God with all your mind because it will eventually affect your heart, which can affect your soul, which will affect your strength. So we've got to make sure that we get this right. But I wanna tell you, as powerful as fear can be, faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes fear. I want everybody to stand up in here. You know, it's crazy that like three of the songs that we sang for worship tonight dealt with fear. We didn't talk about it. I didn't know. And then Sunday I'm sitting in church and I just have that stirring that God's like, there's some fear and I want to get rid of this fear. There are people walking in fear and, and, and I want to put my finger on it. So you may think, you know, hey, well, what do I do when that dreadful thing comes? Or what do I do when I think that I'm about to face that dreadful thing? We see 2 Timothy 1, seven through nine. Love this verse. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, a spirit of cowardice, a spirit of fearfulness. Okay, that means actually to shrink back See, God has not given you a spirit of fear. That means to hide from the enemy. You remember the laws of warfare? He said, it doesn't matter what you see, you go forward. Don't fear. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and discipline. Discipline. That word discipline actually means sound judgment sound judgment. And you think of that word sound. Sound means it's something you can stand on. And you know that it's not going to fall. You know, I, I did some rock climbing when I was in West Virginia. And before climbing up, you know, we had all the ropes and everything. It was like 25 feet up. You know, uh, the guy Levi was with us and my son Josiah. And he said, listen, if there's an X on the rock, don't step on it. Because it's not sound. And you're going to come crashing down. So a lot of times I have quoted this scripture in the past as, yeah, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind, all like I'm all that in a bag of chips. And the Lord's like, no, no, I've given you sound judgment, okay? And so when I say something sound, something disciplined, it's something you can stand on. So if I just try to stand on my own strength, I'm not gonna be able to stand and fear will creep in. But it's actually standing on the word of God, standing on what his word says. And it goes on in verse eight and it says, therefore, y'all say therefore. Therefore, Therefore, let me give you a little English lesson. Therefore is a conjunctive adverb. It's a type of adverb that joins two clauses. In other words, it's like these two things are connected. Okay, so he's saying, hold up, I want to tell you. I just gave you this great scripture that's going to make you feel so good. Okay, but I'm putting this word therefore in there to warn you that what comes next might scare you. Okay, he says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Oh, the guy writing the letter is in prison. Okay. But join with me in what? Suffering. Suffering. What? I gotta suffer? I gotta suffer for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, according to his own purpose. The things that we may have to face, know that they're filtered through the hands of Christ. And He's going to give us the grace to be able to walk through it if He is calling us through it. We will go through things, but don't let it cripple you. When that seed of fear tries to get planted in your mind, because just because you think it doesn't mean that it should be there, okay? You recognize it and say, no, I'm gonna rip that seed out because I don't want any nasty fruits. I just want good fruits. You're gonna rip it out. You know, we have a horse and he weighs, I don't know, maybe 800 pounds. He might be a little more than that. He's a little chunky right now. But do you know, y'all, I don't weigh 800 pounds, nowhere near it. Online, if you think I look bigger, I'm really, I don't weigh 800 pounds. But i can control that horse just by tilting his head and disengaging his hindquarters if he is running the horse likes to run towards the born if you don't know an untrained horse is going to always look for the easy way out he thinks the born is rest i'm going to run to the born and i was training a colt and he every time he'd want to crawl away from the barn, but when we turned to the born he's like <sighs> I'm tired, I want to quit. And so I remember I'd stay out there an hour longer than I planned just to break the horse. All I had to do to control an 800-pound horse is tilt his head and disengage, tap his hindquarters. That's where his power is. That's his accelerator. So if I tilt his head, just gently kick the hindquarters, he spins, he spins, and it slows him down. And then he's powerless. He has no power when I disengage his hindquarters. And that's what the enemy is doing to some of you. He knows your buttons. He knows what to press. He knows what's gonna get you to stop and halt you where you are. Maybe you're at home right now and you're not here because of fear. Don't let the enemy press your buttons anymore. You'd not have to live like that. You realize that that horse, if he was smart enough, he would realize, hold up. She doesn't weigh as much as I weigh. All I have to do is set in and I don't have to listen to her. If we would wake up and realize that we have the power, the power that is in us is greater than him that is in the world. We don't have to bow to it anymore i want you to close your eyes in here i know that there are women in here if you're online watching and you are battling with fear maybe you're fearful of what's going to happen tomorrow fearful of if you're not going to have a job next month fearful that your kids are not going to come back to the lord fearful of just everything fearful of death fearful of sickness Is that is you and you're sick and tired of it Raise your hand and we are going to be set free tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all over this place. I want you to come to this altar. We are going to get free tonight. If you want to be free tonight, I want you to come down. I want people to come pray with your sisters here tonight. If you're online, you're sitting in your chair. You can be free tonight by the power of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. around. Dr- I want y'all to do especially if you're at these altars I want to go into that bridge there's something amazing think about um, chains are broken as you worship the words that you proclaim things will be broken and so we're gonna go into this and I want you with everything even if you don't feel it yet even if you're like I just don't know I want you out of obedience to sing this word Sing it over your life in Jesus' name. very, very important. That when God does something in your heart, you recognize that, hey, I have this issue. You give it to the Lord. You rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. You need to replace it with the truth. And so I want you to go home. And if this has been your struggle, I don't care what you're scared of. I don't care if you're scared of roaches. I mean, whatever. Okay. You replace it with the truth. What does God's word say and if you're not that familiar with the word you grab your facilitator and she will help you find a scripture and you start quoting that scripture you memorize it so when the enemy comes back to lie to you you can say satan get in your place i rebuke that in the name of jesus god has not given me the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind amen so make sure you do that. Come on, did y'all get something tonight from this? Yeah. All right, so we're gonna do something a little different. We still have a little time, okay? We still have a little time. I was sitting there during praise and worship and I said, we need to do this song again. Three, Like I said, three of the songs talked about fear. And so sometimes you just gotta get your praise on. Okay, and so we're going to do that first song, Smoke and Mirrors. And y'all saw how excited Sarah was. This is part of loving the Lord your God with your strength. Okay, and so listen. And, And loving the Lord your God with your heart, that's your emotions. And so if God touched you tonight, you need to show it. And if you feel like God didn't touch you tonight, maybe you just need to show it and get a little excited. Okay, so we're going to give him the praise that he deserves. Come on, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Come on, team. I'm going to
1: find my Unravel. Here, now, let your power pull down fear. The darkness shakes, the shadows shakes.